in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Scheffler outshines them all at Augusta. Congratulations, young man. That is so impressive. Scotty Scheffler won the Masters by three strokes. He's the number one ranked player in the world, and he has won four tournaments this year. He's only competed in six. Uh, it's amazing. Guy's been unbelievable. Just imagine like, that? I don't know why all these people could play. Golf's easy. Yeah. Can you imagine that? Four and six? <laughs> That's amazing. It's almost impossible. Given how many guys play and how many great players there are, you're you're a good like baseball team if you win four out of six games. Yeah, like that's a good that's a good week. He's won four out of six tournaments in an individual sport where there are hundreds of people every week trying to beat him. Incredible. Kid was crying the morning the Sunday before he went out. Yeah, well, he knew he already stressed, won it. Stressed out of his mind. Yeah, he knew he already won it. He couldn't handle the what was it? He couldn't handle. He didn't think he was ready for the pressure of being right. a Masters champion. Yeah, he didn't even he didn't even won yet. He had such a big lead and kept I mean, winning all the time. He was like, my God, I already won it. It's not even Sunday. Yet. Rory went eight under and it was already over. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Like Rory McIlroy had like the best day ever at on the a Masters. Sunday. On a Sunday. And couldn't even really come close. Yeah. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Two one drilled down the left field line. If it's fair, it's a homer. It is gone. A shot to left field for CJ Krohn. His first home run this year. Two more for the Rockies. Five nothing Colorado. The they Dodgers stink. lost two or three to the Colorado. You told me they're going to sweep them. They stink. <laughs> they are fourth in the NL West yes. now, only ahead of the Diamondbacks, who are one and three. Uh, the only Dodger hitting over three hundred with at least ten at bats is Gavin Lux. Okay, so a couple things stood out, and I've talked to you about this before. I am worried about Mookie Betts. They had five strikeouts. You in the said series. that you said that preseason spring training didn't matter. I think it matters. I think there's something wrong with Mookie like Betts. Like you think I there's, I think there's legitimately rest something of the wrong. Season with it. we're talking well, about Mookie Betts not being very good, or you just think? I mean, uh, let's say Mookie Betts is good. That's a lot under Mookie Betts, right? I mean, let's just say he's average. That's really that's yeah, not but the, that's what I'm saying. If you you think rest of the season, or you think it's just I think a, there's a chance. I think there's something wrong with you. Just, okay, but like it's not just he didn't look good in spring training. He didn't look good in the first uh, week of the seer season. He'll figure it out in a couple of weeks. You think it could be legitimately? I legitimately we're into think August. That. I legitimately and think that. is like an average MLB hitter or worse. Yes, more so. More so though. I think their issues. And I said this at the beginning of the year. This is why I don't think they're winning the World Series. I don't even know if they get there. Is their pitching? <laughs> Is their pitching? I'm serious. I think they have. I, I. I. Haney starts against the Twins tomorrow. Kershaw's the five hole now. I just. I don't think they have the pitching to win a World Series. They don't have. We had um, Adam Candy on last week when you were here, and he made a great point. He picked the Brewers. Why? Because of their pitching. He picked the Brewers because they're pitching. I don't think the Dodgers have the pitching to win it. I don't. Yeah, I thought the Brewers were going to win the NL last year when we got to the postseason. Mm -hmm. They lost to the damn Braves in the postseason. What a nightmare. I just, I just think they're pitching suspect, man. It's going to be some stupid team like the Phillies. They get into the wild card and dumb I teams win the World Series. I did not throw the remote. You didn't? No, I don't think they're any good. 
You we're three games into the season and you're already you're already at the point of yeah they're not good I'm not gonna get mad about it. I I, I just don't think the pitch. Hey, maybe this is his version of like he's growing and, <laughs> as a person. And as I said before the season, Urias will not have that same kind of year. Just drilled yesterday. Just drill. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. September rolls around. Dodgers have 102 wins. They will not. Calm down. They will not. They will not. They will not. How far do you think they're going? And be very honest. Be very they honest. They are World Series favorites. Yeah. They are I'm my... saying how far do you think they're going? They're they, they... winning the World Series. Okay. I have them losing okay. the World Series. Okay. But I have them making so, it to the World Series. Lunch that they don't even get to the World Series. No, I'm not making a bet where I cheer for the Dodgers. I... I win either no. way yeah, because one, if they get there and I owe you lunch, my team's the World Series. No, I'm not, I'm not making lose. that bet because then I got to cheer for the Dodgers and I'm not doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, no, you, I can't oh, yeah, afford you lunch. Cheer for yeah. Win. yeah, so no, I'm not. I, I'm only going to make a bet with you that I want to cheer for the actual outcome. That's and I'm not cheering for the Dodgers. I will be very pleased if the Dodgers like miss the playoffs. That'd be hilarious. Be one of the funniest possible things that could happen. I don't think What's their the payroll? <laughs> What's their payroll? It's a lot. Would it be better if they miss the playoffs and somehow the A's make it? Uh, the Pirates. Oh. Let's do the Pirates. Oh, all right. The Pirates. So both in the National League. Oh, yeah. That's pretty good. Festivities uh, got a little away from the schedule. Aaron Judge <laughs> will not talk about contract extensions with the Yankees during the season. He rejected an eight-year, $230.5 million deal. That's just under uh, $29 million per season. His quote was, at the end of this year, I'll talk to 30 teams. The Yankees will be one of those teams. He's not going to sign with the Yankees, is he? I don't think so. I think he's pissed. Let me ask you this, and I don't think he should probably get trout money. No. Why did I see the money and think it was low? Because he's I don't been good. Know. The problem is he's 30 or 30. He'll be 31 in the offseason. Okay, maybe that was it. But I just saw, maybe just because I saw the number, and I know it was over seven years, I saw the number, I'm like, is that low for him? Almost thirty million a year. That's it. Probably is about right for somebody that's thirty-one. It's probably a little lower than he should get. But like, I mean, Corey Seager signs in the offseason the biggest contract, and it was thirty-two and a half yeah. a year, and he's not so, thirty-one, right? And yeah, that's four years younger than what Aaron Judge would be signing this. So, I think it's a it's it's in the ballpark right. of, of acceptability. If you're now, Aaron I'm Judge. just I think I'm just conditioned to where if you're a star in the league if the number doesn't start with a three like i think you're under right yeah I, I literally do that's fair that's crafty wording right there i give you credit <laughs> ronaldo slapped the phone out of a kid's hand yeah. uh man united lost to everton one nothing over the weekend as players were leaving the field uh there's a video that ronaldo appears to slap a phone out of a kid's hand there's a story in the and hold on to hold on to this for sourcing here. Irish Mirror that the mother of a 14-year-old claims Ronaldo slapped her son's hand, knocked the phone out, and they provided pictures of a bruised hand of this kid. Um so Ronaldo apparently they lost the game. He's coming off the story He's that limping. the mother gave was that his leg was hurt and her son moved yeah. the phone down to look at the leg and Ronaldo came over and just slapped the bleep yeah. out of this phone. How about the other Irish kid behind him like laughing at Ronaldo and pointing at him? That was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome, like laughing in his face. That was actually pretty funny. So Ronaldo not happy after losing there. Um but slapping the I know. Cause like we've seen who was it? 
was it Nurkic? Who was it in the NBA that walked over and like took the kid's phone right. out of his hand right. and threw it? And it and the, it was like, oh, the the guy was insulting his relative that had passed away. And even then, he still just took the phone and threw it. How often do you see the player, it like, leaving an arena, leaving a stadium, leaving a field, slap a fan? Like, no. even if you're not happy with Some them kid? filming. Yes, slap and like the what's, what's a kid because it's Ronaldo probably just taking a picture of him. Right, it's just like ooh, Ronaldo. yeah, it's Ronaldo. Let me take a right. picture of him. Exactly, and he slaps the kid's hand and phone. That's ridiculous. What do you think? The Padres pulled two starters with no hitters against the Diamondbacks. You Darvish went six innings. John Manaya went seven. Neither gave up a hit because it's early in the year, shortened spring training. Pitchers aren't as stretched out, so there was no. Uh, expectation that those guys were going to be able to throw a complete game. So two starters had no hitters through six and through seven, and the Padres pulled them both. They actually ended up losing the season opener. Despite that, uh, they did win when Sean Manaya pitched. Good for them. <laughs> they, uh... <laughs> Good for those guys. How bad are the Diamondbacks? How bad are those guys? They're terrible. Hey, the Astros played them this week, so I hope oh, they you got some terrible. wins. You got some wins coming up, really. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I, 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 I have nothing else to say about that team. Although I guess Tatis is uh, swinging a bat, and uh, wouldn't this be re- the time that you'd let them get a complete game because it's early in the season? Oh, I wish they would have let Darvish go nine. He's not stretched out. Maybe you know. Do you remember last year? Padres beat the Dodgers. They were ahead of them in like April, and Ed was like, "No worries at all." You were like, "Yeah, let them be in first place now. That's nice. Talk to me in September." And now you're like. They're in first place. They're already game up. Yeah, and you're like, don't talk up. to me anymore. You're like, the Dodgers are bums. They're not even going to win the West. Like, you're completely flipped from last year. You were just angry and, and everything. Now you're just, like, convinced the Dodgers. Yeah. I'm just indifferent to three suck. games. Got out of church yesterday. Hit the refresh. Already down 3-0. They're the best team in baseball. Went in and did some praying. It didn't help me. <sighs> Came out, and all of a sudden, it's 3-0. Then it's 5-0. But, well, did you pray for Cody Bellinger? No, I don't pray have, for him. Didn't he have some hits? No, I don't pray for him. Oh, Had a couple man. hits. Maybe you should start praying for him. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. Austin Matthews broke the Maple Leaf single season goals uh, goal record. He's got 56 this year, but maybe what's the more ridiculous stat? In his last 50 games, he has scored 51 goals. That is unbelievable. It's insane. 51 goals. So we know who the MVP is this year. Like, that is one of the most ridiculous stats I think you've had. I mean, people were excited here when William Carlson broke 40, let alone 50 and 51. Well, 51 and 50. 50, 51 and 50 games is absolutely ridiculous. No two Golden Knights have scored 50 uh, goals this season. You can no. take any two Golden Knights, no. add them together. The highest you can get is Jonathan Marshall and Kenny Dodonov have combined for 46. Goals. 46. That's it. No, that's unbelievable that the Golden Knights' top two scores don't even add up to. They're within 10th of Austin Matthews. That's like one of the most Amazing. ridiculous things. So, Austin Matthews, incredible season and maybe the most incredible MVP 50 game run you could have scoring 50. Like, he's scoring more than a goal a game by himself. Yeah. Just him? You just. Right in, Austin, you just guess the time he's going to score in the game and just write in his name for a goal every game. It's absurd. Next question. 
Is Armani Rogers going to get drafted in the so. tight end? I think he's going to get drafted. So he's former, athletic. Former UNLV quarterback. He transferred to Ohio he's for big. one year. Yeah, and he's worked out at some pro days as a tight end. Nate Tice of the Athletic tweeted, "My day three sleeper at the tight end position is converted quarterback Armani Rogers." Fluid athlete, good size. Uh, Rodgers has limited exposure at the position, but had a promising week of practice before the Shrine Bowl. An interesting prospect who's taken a handful of team visits. Like, and this is, there have been multiple times this offseason where Armani Rodgers working out as a tight end has been uh, tweet worthy, buzz worthy. I'm fascinated to I mean, see if he gets it's drafted. The third day. And here's, a, here's an important question for you. The third day, yeah. I mean, it's the third day. I take a flyer on the guy. UNLV has the longest drought of any Division One college football program without a player drafted. We're number one. <laughs> Does Armani Rogers count? Sure, he played there. Okay, that's yeah. I, I think okay. he counts. I'm um, just asking. He, he went played, to Ohio why? because he's because he, he transferred. He went to a different <sighs> school. Oh. Forgot about the Ohio Tech. Yeah, he went to Ohio. And uh, who's going to take credit? Well, I will say this. I don't know if he counts, but they're taking credit for him. He went to Ohio for two years because he used the COVID year. He's, I, he's two years removed. Will they from take credit for him? I, it's that's the fascinating question. I don't me, know because he, Arroyo. Well, or sorry, we don't say that name. Uh, no, sunglasses and door guy. Sunglasses and door guy will scrub you yes. as soon as you make a move. Steve Jenkins went in the transfer yes. portal, immediately taken off the roster. Well, who Kobe Winman transferred to Michigan State after would being they the ask best him, player, or he, would the sports information folks just do it? I think. I mean, Arroyo wasn't here. Arroyo didn't coach Armani. He wasn't here. Yeah. What is the but also and that's, door guy that's kind of the thing. He's been here for two years, and he didn't coach Armani Rogers. And you're going to be like, yeah, we're taking credit for that. I, I forgot about the Ohio tenure. Okay. I've got, in two years. I reserve the right to change my mind. Okay. Ohio should. Absolutely. Ohio should. But two years removed and at a completely different position than he played here. <laughs> I'd like to see the press release. you got to take credit for it. Coming up next, UNLV finally got someone out of the transfer portal. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bishop. UNLV has a player out of the transfer portal. Jackie Johnson is coming to UNLV. He is a Duquesne transfer. He scored nine points per game as a freshman last year, but only was playing about 19 per game. So not getting uh, a ton of minutes. He did shoot 37 and a half percent from three. He is five foot 11 though. So on the shorter end, there's been a lot of, I've seen a handful of UNLV fans that simply want UNLV to get bigger like, I don't even think they care about if the players are good. They just want the players to be bigger. I mean, bring back Marvin Menzies. And Jackie Johnson is not uh, going to help those fans that want UNLV to be bigger because he's five foot eleven. Does Duquesne sound like a random superhero vi- villain? No. Okay. I just reserve judgment on a guy like this. I have no idea if he's any good. All right. I'll give you some reasons to be optimistic and some about to be Jackie? pessimistic. And some to be pessimistic. So... Couple reasons to be optimistic about Jackie Johnson. He shot well from three last year uh, at Duquesne, which anytime a guy has a good three point percentage, I'm going to tell you that's a good thing. He also had the highest usage rate on Duquesne, despite coming off the bench for the majority of the season. So, what that could mean is you have a good shooter and a guy that has the ball in his hands a lot. UNLV is not going to have Bryce Hamilton next year, right? Bryce Hamilton is gone. And Bryce Hamilton was one of the highest usage players in the country. 
right? Top 10 each of the last three years in terms of ball in his hands, making plays. That was Bryce Hamilton for the last three years. You know, he has to replace that. Jackie Johnson alone is not going to do that, but Jackie Johnson can be a combination of players that, yep, we feel comfortable putting the ball in his hands and he can create a shot. Now, is it going to be the most efficient offense? That's what's going to be the question here. And that's one of the downsides. He wasn't very efficient last year. His offensive rating was a 99, which is like 100 is basically the way to look at that as average. So slightly below average. He's 5'11". His finishing at the rim was slightly below average. I don't believe Jackie Johnson is going to be the leading scorer on an NCAA tournament team. But Jackie Johnson is a guy that's had the ball in his hands at the level, has scored, again, nine points per game in about 19 minutes, at a decent level at the college uh, level, that you can have some form of Jackie Robinson as a decent player for you and go to the NCAA tournament. Jackie Johnson, not Jackie Jackie Robinson. My bad. Wrong Jackie. Uh, Using, and by the way, using the uh, points above average uh, stat that I've been giving you for the last couple of weeks here, he was 1.6 last year. Uh, For reference, for anybody that's just hearing that for the first time, Bryce Hamilton was five. That's a per game basis. Bryce Hamilton was five points better than average. That was top 30 in the country last season. Uh, Royce Ham, for example, was 1.9. Jordan McCabe was 1.3. Jackie Johnson was 1.6 last year. Okay. So that's kind of the, the production you're the getting. The norm of that team. Yeah. And remember, so, okay, last week when we talked about transfer portal guys for UNLV, I sort of gave you the the problem that UNLV was in where a lot of the really good proven transfers have Villanova and yeah. Texas, Oregon, like, right? They've got big time schools looking at them and it's hard to envision UNLV beating out five or six of those schools to land a guy who averaged 17 points a game somewhere. But the other problem was that there's a lot of diamonds in the rough that didn't get much playing time that, you know, were Donovan Williams, Royce Ham, Victory e. Walker last year for UNLV that, yeah, if you land those guys, they can maybe be helpful, but also they're probably not going to be good enough to get you to the NCAA tournament. Jackie Johnson sort of fits in the middle where he's certainly not the almost 20 point per game guy that's getting looks from Villanova, but he's also not a guy who didn't do anything at the college level last year. He, he was a productive college basketball player last season, right? He scored almost 10 points per game in less than 20 minutes. He was a productive player. And I think the goal there is that you turn a guy who's 1.6 points above average into a guy that's three points above average next year. And if they can do that with Jackie Johnson and maybe a couple other guys, then all of a sudden UNLV might have a roster that can contend in the mountain West and go to the, but NCAA we're back tournament. to ifs still. It's all, yeah, Big it's going to be a lot of ifs for UNLV this off season because they, they've got to replace their, at least their best and third best player from last year. And Bryce Hamilton and Roy Sam, potentially their second best player. If Donovan Williams doesn't come back, like they might be replacing their three best players from last year. And right now, all they have is Jackie Johnson, who I would say is not as good as any of those three. So what can you do now? There's a couple other names that are probably important here. Devin Carter, who is a transfer from South Carolina. He uh, has UNLV in his top six. He's similar to Jackie Johnson, averaged nine points in 18 minutes last year at South Carolina. He was not a good three-point shooter, though. And then Courtney Ramey, who played four seasons at Texas, was a teammate with Royce Ham and Donovan Williams, all four years was between eight and 12 points for Texas, 5% for three for all four seasons, a very good three-point shooter. 
he's got UNLV on his list as well. And uh, obviously UNLV would have somewhat of a leg up in terms of kids coming from Texas, given that they landed two of them last off season. Both of those players would fit in the same level of Jackie Johnson, where this guy's not a proven star, but he's also not a guy who rode the bench for an entire season. He, you might be able to take him from decent player to really good player with new scheme, new coaching, better coaching, better development. Something right. Like that. But look at Devin Carter, six Arkansas, Connecticut, Providence, Oregon, LSU, UNLV. So that's what we're talking about. I'm not. I'm actually not as. I'm more optimistic about that than most of them. Like Jalen Llewellyn, for example, was the Princeton transfer. He had Villanova and Texas on his list. I think those are both better than every school that are on Devin Carter's final six here. Maybe Arkansas, just, you could argue, but yeah, it. But he scored some nine three eight and one point eight with the with the Gamecocks. Um, I don't know. Again, sometimes I wonder if kids don't believe they should yeah. then go to another yeah. power five. Oh, absolutely. And the, the good thing though, about if like, if let's say the best powers conference school that's recruiting you is Arkansas or Oregon, like you're on his list, right? If you're UNLV, you can probably legitimately recruit Devin Carter by saying you're going to play 31 minutes a night right. here. You go to Arkansas, uh, you, you might be on the bench. Like right. you can legitimately tell that Devin Carter if a guy's got offers from Villanova and Texas and, and big name schools, then that guy can either go to Villanova and, oh, maybe he rides the bench at Villanova. But if he takes a level step down and goes to just a slightly worse power five, he'll probably start at Has he made a Oregon. decision? Jalen Llewellyn? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I'd have to go look that up, but I haven't paid attention because as soon as I saw the schools that were on his list, I was like, well, UNLV's not getting him. Um, so I think there is a way to recruit against an Oregon. Hell, there's a way to recruit against LSU who's on that list because LSU doesn't have anybody on the roster right. at the moment, which there's playing time for well, at you LSU. Say there's, there's 38 <laughs> minutes available at LSU. There's 40 minutes at five positions. Can you do that, Devin Carter? So what do yeah. you want to play? Yeah, you can play them all. Uh, so, yeah, LSU might be hard or easy to recruit against. I'm not exactly sure, but... We'll see who else UNLV gets, but I think this is the type of player we're talking about them recruiting. The guy that's, yeah, he scored eight points a game. He played some, but not a lot. I think that's now, the level they're getting. Have you gone over Keyshawn uh, Hall? Who's Keyshawn Hall? I don't know that name. He's a kid who uh, just announced his Final Four. UNLV, in it? Missouri, Arizona State, St. Mary's. Oh, they can win that one. Who? Where's he from? That I am not so sure. <laughs> Find he's out a, tomorrow. He's, he's, he says Keyshawn Big Guard Hall. That's his nickname. <laughs> he's a big, big guard. guard. He's a big guard. Somebody's going to be happy. <laughs> Find out tomorrow who the hell Keyshawn Hall is. Coming up next, Vinny Bonsignore joins the show. The Press Box Path to the Draft here on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM is brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas. Joining us now from the Review Journal, also over on Raider Nation Radio, Vinny Bossignore. Good morning, Vinny. How are you? Hello, Vincent. Good morning, guys. I am a day away from vacation, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm getting into that, you know, Kind of unplugging mode, but not yes. quite unplugged yet. You know that feeling. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, it always takes me a couple of days to uh, to kind of shake off the, what's going on, what do I need to be on top of, and all that type of stuff. Um, and then and then it takes about two days to get back plugged in when I come back. So uh, so anxious to get started on the vacation, though. Yeah. Listen, the day before the vacation is often one of the best parts of the vacation. 
Yes, it is. It can, you know, it can get away from you, though. You got to be careful because you still have some obligations, but you have, so you have to stay locked in a little bit. But no, no doubt, the mind wanders, and uh, and you start getting a little revved up for it. So there's a little bit of a balance uh, going on. Nah, don't feel obligated. <laughs> <laughs> nah, doesn't matter. All right, important question for you: Are all five Week One offensive line starters currently on the roster? Wow, way to hit 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 with a hard one. Um, I, I I have to think no, uh, but you know, in talking to some people that know Josh McDaniels and know the new offensive uh, line coach and you know everything that they're uh, everything that they're doing, Mick Lombardi, the new um, offensive coordinator, they do things. If you look in, in New England, uh, you know what the Patriots have done over the years. It's not like they always invest high draft picks in offensive linemen. They usually get guys that maybe other teams overlook or, or, or you know, uh, or discard and are able to mold them into a pretty good unit. And I think that I would think that they're going to go out and get somebody else, but I also wouldn't rule out that this is what it's going to be and, and they're, they're okay with it. And they feel like with Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Derek Carr's ability to get the ball out quick, especially with this kind of uh, wide receiver core that he's going to have or a receiver core that he's going to have, that they can make it work well enough. Does Derek Carr show up to go through jogging and weightlifting today? I think so, yeah. Uh, I think that, you know, especially with the new staff in place and, you know, everybody wants to get off on the on the right foot. Um, I think everyone understands what's at stake right now. Um, the starting point for what they hope is going to be a, a pretty special season. Uh, I don't I don't see him pulling that lever, but you never know. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on uh, on a few guys. Uh, today that are that that may or may not be uh, at the uh, at the facility in Henderson. I think Darren Waller kind of fits in that category. Um, I, I do think that everyone's going to show up, or the you know the key players. There might be a guy here or there that's on a you know, a valid excuse. But as far as any kind of contract levers being pulled, I don't see that happening today. But you never know. Is there like what would be the point in time if there's no car extension? You could put Darren Waller in this uh, question as well. There's no car extension. There's no Waller extension. Like, is there? Is it OTAs? Is it? Is it actually in uh, August preseason and training camp? Like, is when would that be where you would think Derek Carr or Darren Waller might actually say, you know what, I I got to stop showing up because I got to get a contract extension before this season? Yeah. Um... You know, everyone kind of rolls a little bit differently uh, on, on all that. I remember when I covered the Rams, uh, I wrote many times for Aaron Donald not to um, show up until he got his extension. Uh, and until, you know, like I remember the year before he got the extension, he sat out all of OTAs, all of the uh, all of training camp, played under his current contract, current rookie deal, uh, and then did the same uh, routine the, year, the, the next year. My thing is, if it's not for something – a game, an actual game. I'm not going out there until I get a new deal. Now, I'll be out there for the games. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's when big fines start happening and, and all that type of stuff. But until something counts, why would Darren Waller or, or, or even Derek Carr uh, show up, especially in minicamp when you start getting on 11-on-11 and that type of thing? So uh, that would be my advice. But everybody handles things a little bit differently. And like I said, everyone trying to get off on the right foot um, maybe everyone just shows up and, and maybe they have assurances that, hey, it's all going to work out. We're all good. It's just a timing issue, um, but you'll be taken care of. And if they're getting that kind of feedback, uh, maybe they're more comfortable in, in just showing up and, and, uh, and, and hoping for the best.
Vinny, what's the sweet spot, baby? What's the sweet spot here that we keep talking about? We haven't seen the sweet spot yet. The sweet spot took on a life of its own. Um, <laughs> if you look at what uh, Matthew Stafford just got, go, I would say, about $5 million below that per year, you know, on the, uh, on the per year average. What I've been writing is a two-year extension at uh, $80 million total, which if you roll into what he's currently going to, what he's going to make this year would make it a three year, $100 million um, deal. And if you divide three by a hundred, what is that? $33 million or so uh, per season with about 65, maybe guaranteed. I think that's a fair sweet spot. Um, It's not the biggest contract in the world. It's also not the smallest contract in the world. It puts Derek right where he probably is, you know, uh, the 12th best quarterback, 11th best quarterback, Somewhere along those lines, uh, which is what he is, um, that would be the sweet spot that I would be looking at. And, and as I talk to people around the NFL, that's kind of what they're envisioning and seeing. But that might not be the Raiders' sweet spot uh, either. And maybe it's not Derek Carr's uh, sweet spot. Uh, if you look at what the Ra- what again, you have to sometimes go back to, to the Patriots' way because this is a very heavy Raiders, uh, or excuse me, Patriots uh, leadership now with the Raiders. And if you look at Tom Brady's, that guy took a lot of, um, you know, uh, he, 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 did, he was never one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league, let alone the highest quarterback uh, paid in the league. They did things a little bit differently in New England to allow for good teams around uh, Tom Brady. And I did ask, you know, Dave Ziegler, hey, are you expecting Derek Carr to do that? And he's like, that would be unfair to Derek Carr uh, to ask, ask him to do what Tom Brady did. Um, but he never said, but, I, but I'm not expecting him to take some sort of a – a hometown discount in order for, for us to be able to build around them. So, um, again, that, that would be the sweet spot that I would be looking at, but I'm curious to find out what the Raiders' sweet spot is. So you, you brought up the money there and putting it slightly below Matt Stafford. I guess I'm, I may be more curious in the years. Like, you think two years is, is where this ends up, or would Derek Carr not sort of demand or push for a lot more than two years? Um, you're, yeah, uh, so this would take him to, uh, we're at 2022, 2023, 2024. Um, he'd be about 33 years old. Then he'd be able to, to test the market again after that. I think that, I think from his perspective, um, a three-year deal, uh, which would put him right in line with Devontae Adams. So they could kind of be, I know you saw, you know, Devontae Adams signed a five-year deal or whatever it was. Forget about the last two years of that deal. This is a three-year, $67 million contract in reality. And I think that um, Derek would probably be okay with kind of uh, being along those lines uh, with his good friend Devontae Adams and then see wherever, where it takes everybody uh, at that point. And if I'm the Raiders, too, you know, um, at some point you're going to start thinking about a uh, procession plan for, for your quarterback. So three years is enough for everybody to kind of get it all figured out. And uh, if everyone's on the same page and if Derek's still playing at a high level in three years, Maybe he can make a little bit more new money uh, at that point. So, um, you know, uh, so I think I think that that would be an acceptable uh, amount of years for Derek Carr. Yeah, it doesn't seem like uh, what you're saying is unreasonable at all. Um, and maybe it is. They want a little bit of a Patriot discount. So why is it taking so long? I mean, is it the guaranteed? Is it the term? Is it all of it? I mean, what what do you really think is going on here? They haven't found that sweet spot. <laughs> Uh, beyond the sweet, beyond the sweet spot. <laughs> that's and that's the, they, that's exactly what it is. I mean, there's nothing else other than 
they haven't just they haven't landed on that sweet spot, which is why I'm so curious about well, what is the Raiders' sweet spot? What exactly are they, um, you know, expecting uh, Derek Carr to come in at? And I and I know that obviously neither side um, is is okay with the other side's sweet spot, so they got to find some sweet spot uh, here in the next few months. There's no real um, you know urgency. I don't expect it to get ugly, or at least that's kind of what I've been told. But you know uh, these things sometimes take on a life of their own and you know you wonder again if the Raiders sweet spot is is far below what Derek Carr's sweet spot is and and whether or not they are going to be able to find that common ground uh the, the other the other part is the other part of it is if you're Derek Carr and you can't find the sweet spot uh going into this year you bet on yourself and you you look around and say well okay I've got Devontae Adams I've got Darren Waller I got Josh Jacobs I got Hunter Renfro um, I've got a you know a bright young uh, coach uh, in Josh McDaniels that's going to put me in great position. I might have a spectacular year, and then all of a sudden I'm knocking on uh, the door again next year, saying, "Yeah, what you could have had before last year, that sweet spot has changed. So let's find another sweet spot." So, uh, and if you're the Raiders, there is a little bit of a risk in that regard because there's if if, if everybody stays healthy, you go back to what the Raiders were doing in the first five games of last year before you know all hell broke loose. Um, people were talking about Derek Carr as an MVP candidate. His play didn't necessarily fall off. He lost Henry Ruggs. He lost Darren Waller for six games. The offensive line never quite you know, came together. But if everything is in place this year and Derek's just doing what he did to start last year with an even better supporting cast, um, he could put up some pretty, pretty good numbers and his team can win some games. And all of a sudden, the whole dynamic changes. I know what's happening here. The Raiders are refusing to add any more offensive line help until Derek Carr takes a team-friendly deal. And until then, they're going to wow. say, sorry, this is your offensive line. Deal with it. <laughs> well, that would be next level uh, negotiating. But, uh, you know, this is a new group. We're kind of everyone's feeling each other out. So uh, you never know what levers they're, they're pulling uh, as well. All right. Uh, here's, a, here's just a from a media perspective question. The draft is in Las Vegas, but the Raiders aren't going to pick until day three unless they make a trade. Are you disappointed in that? If you're a Raider fan and you're not hyped up about the fact that you've got Devontae Adams on Media your perspective, roster, your Vinny, your perspective. you got two days of draft here and there's no Raider pick. You guys, you guys need to remember, I, I, I covered the Rams. There was the, first round, <laughs> the only first-round pick was Jared Goff. They still haven't had a first-round pick since Jared Goff, and they've gone to two Super Bowls. And won a Super Bowl. So it is actually kind of fast. And, and if you look around the NFL now, all of a sudden, Les Snead and, and those guys, what they've done. In fact, I talked to Les about this at the owners' meetings. And, and their whole thing is we may have to change what we're doing because everyone's kind of following what we're doing. So we got to find that, uh, you know, uh, that, that area that nobody, that space where nobody uh, is occupying right now and start doing the complete opposite because everybody, it seems, is following what the Rams are doing, which is, uh, and, and I, Here's my theory on that. You have to know, you have to be honest about yourself. If you're a team like the Raiders that's pretty close, it's okay to give up a first-round pick and even a second-round pick for a guy like Devontae Adams because you're, you're that close. Um, and, and the Rams were that close when they went out and got Jalen Ramsey and obviously Matthew Stafford. So they felt like what they're going to get you know, by trading the first-round pick was better than what they would have gotten by hanging on to the first-round pick. So that makes a lot of sense. I think where teams might find or get, get into some trouble is thinking too highly of themselves and then, you know, sacrificing first-round picks in your, and part of your future 
sort of the false hope that you're you know closer than you think. So, um, but kind of fascinating to watch and chart how all of that is playing out. I think teams are starting to realize there's more value in established veteran players that could come in and make a huge impact than putting a rookie on a team and hoping that it's going to turn out good. But um, again, there's all sorts of different ways to look at that. And from a media perspective, I'm going to be in Henderson regardless, uh, covering the draft. And, uh, and you know, it'll probably make for a slow night uh, on Thursday uh, and, and, a, and a relatively easy night on, on Friday. So, uh, so I'm not going to sweat it. We're going to be fighting over angles. Vinny, what's your angle? They didn't do anything. Ed, what's your angle? They didn't do anything. Okay, let's try to find 9,000 words in those two things. <laughs> well, he is very and, and, and as Ed knows, we have to have that all figured out by 4 o'clock. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is Vinny Bonsignori from the Review Journal and our sister station, Raider Nation Radio. Vinny, enjoy your vacation Thanks, tomorrow. Vinny. Enjoy it. Uh, guys, have a good one. So uh, there is Vinny. I look forward. Just your headline, just already now. Raiders draft Devontae Adams in first round. That just needs to be the headline. It's basically what they did. And second right. round, day two. It's I'll, also the draft. Well. It's be back to back headlines with pictures just, of him. No, in the car. Day one, Raiders draft Devontae. Day two, Raiders draft Adams. They traded the first round pick for his first name and the second round pick. He's for his that last good. Name. Yep. Coming up next, I went to a K-pop boy band concert. Rise in a pair. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is The Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Quick, Ed, what's the name of the K-pop band I went and saw this weekend? That's at uh, BTS. People. Hey, good job. Well, that's, job. I got, I heard about it enough over the weekend. <laughs> every, every newscast, and I asked you um, earlier today that I saw people streaming into Allegiant Stadium at 5.30 a.m. for a 7.30 p.m. show. I assumed, and I asked my son, he assumed the same thing, that it was GA. So you got there as early as you can to get the best seats on GA. You're telling me it was probably the sound check? They did a they do sound checks in the morning, and apparently, I don't know if you had to pay extra or what, but people could go in to sound check and basically sit and watch them perform sound check. Okay. So, All right. Now, was that why everybody was lined up at 5.30? I don't know. Uh, but that's possible that that might it, be why. Is it sort of like, were they lined up by where the band would enter? No. So that were, you could get in, like an autograph? They were in lines to no. get into just wow. the Allegiant Stadium area. They, no, they, yeah, it was, the, it was, and they, they were streaming. It wasn't a couple people. Oh, yeah. We're talking a lot of Thousands. People. Oh, yeah. well, yeah, no, I mean, they're the largest band in the world right yeah. now. Yeah, band if you don't play instruments? Yeah, boy band. Okay. Oh, no boy bands yeah. play instruments. Uh, great show. Very entertained. Very fun. Really? Um, oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. you didn't know much again about next week? them other than your girlfriend loves them. I mean, do you, does she play them around the house all yeah. the time? I, I know I know plenty about them. More than I Just should Just because know of her, though. You, yes, absolutely. You don't know anything about it. You yeah. would not know if you weren't with her. You would not know anything about these no, people. No, wouldn't at all. The but, two things we've learned about Tyler that he's learned from his girlfriend is how to hide a body and <laughs> K-pop. <laughs> uh, at one point, someone asked if I was forced to be there. Wait, what? Yeah, just like the girl we were sitting Wait. next to. She was like, "Are you forced? did you get forced to come here? Is that because how you were reacting during no, the no, show? No, no, just we showed up, and I was in my section, one of like, it was probably a 20 to 1 ratio of girls to guys in my section, so... Could see one other male in my right. That's view. why she had that question. Yeah, yeah. Which I wasn't though. I wanted to go. I was the biggest band in the world. Of course, was one. I'm going on Friday again. I'm going a second time. I will say, and you'll see the same show. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, not, I mean, it's sort of like, I mean, it's the same show, but every show is different. You um, know, every experience is different. Every experience, yeah. Are you ready for my complaint? Oh, God. How does the sound still suck? Oh, my God. At Allegiant <laughs> Stadium. <Yeah>. How? <laughs> Horrible. This is unbelievable. Terrible. We have a brand new stadium that got $750 million in public money. And like every event that I've been to, the sound has been a disaster. Mm-hmm. An unbelievable disaster. I didn't notice very much during the actual songs. But when they stopped to talk between songs, I had to strain just to understand what they were saying. It was it was pathetic. Like, when they did their... Uh, spoiler alert for anybody that's going this weekend and doesn't want to hear this. When they did their encore, right? They came back out, they played like two songs, and then they took like 15 to 20 minutes. And each one of them like addressed the crowd. Okay. Half of it, I didn't know what they said because they were just talking, and the speakers are atrocious in this stadium. It's unbelievable. And it's so bad that I like searched it on Twitter just to see if other people were complaining like I did. Johnny Katz from the Review Journal wrote this. Unfortunately, audience members struggled to discern what was being called out by the band. Other than such touchstone words such as love and you and Vegas, this was a night. (laughs) where the sound at Allegiant echoed through the building. The sound quality at the covered stadium has been characteristically inconsistent. Great for the Stones and Metallica, but cavernous during Garth Brooks and Billy Joel. Oh, I was at Garth Brooks. Yeah. It was, And we had really good seats. We were above standing room only. Couldn't hear half the songs. Well, I mean, I knew what he was playing, but I couldn't hear him. I couldn't hear the words. How on earth do we have a brand new stadium? When it was being pitched to be built, was all was like it's not concerts. just about the Raiders. No, it's about the concerts. Think of the concerts and the sound sucks. How is that pie? And it's not. Listen, Garth Brooks was the first event there. Yes. If you told me it sucked for Garth Brooks, and, it's and a, it was like and, a yeah, and a they got it figured yeah, out. And they got it figured out. This they've been having events there for we're over a year now. And what are we doing? And I can't hear the I can't hear them talk on microphones in between songs. It's it's pathetic. I don't understand how this is possible. I don't understand how we're so far into the stadium and the sound is this bad. Do you think they've even tried to work? I don't think they care. Because 50,000 people showed up back-to-back days to go watch BTS. And they're coming this weekend And I'm going again on Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Why would they care? Until, Until like an artist, until like BTS says, well, we can't play there. Your sound sucks. Why would they care? We're going to have to get uh, Raiders.com Cassie Soto to text her boss and be like, hey, can yeah. you get whoever's up in the booth to, like, adjust some stuff? It's unbelievable. I'm trying to think. I don't really. I should be paying attention more to the Raiders one. I've been to four events as a fan at that stadium. The only one that didn't have bad sound problems was the Raiders game. Okay. Both soccer games and a concert. Sound awful. Raiders game, perfectly fine. I think they do it on purpose.